Parrots, Gary Parrish, it's Thursday, November 12, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and today we're going to be continuing our series of short episodes dedicated to the schools in the top 10 of my top 25 and one. We're counting them down 10 to 1, and today we turn our attention to number 7, Kansas. Norlander has the Jayhawks 6th. In his one to three fifty-seven preseason rankings, I have him ranked seventh in the top twenty-five of one, which again is why we're talking about him today. We'll tell you what's to like and dislike about Bill Self's team momentarily, but first, check this out. The all-new Hyundai twenty twenty-four Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. So, okay, Norlander, today the subject matter is Kansas. The Jayhawks last season finished 28-3 and overall, 17-1 and in the Big 12, won the league by multiple games. They would have been the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament if we would have had a 2020 NCAA tournament. But now uh, the top two scorers and two players from that team, gone. Devon Donson entered the NBA draft. He's a likely second-round pick. Yadoka Azabuki entered the NBA draft. He's a borderline first-round pick, so those losses matter. But Ochai Abaji is back. Marcus Garrett is back. In fact, four of the top seven scores are back. And Bryce Thompson, a five-star combo guard from Tulsa, he's going to join the team as KU's highest-rated incoming freshman. Now, is this the most talented Bill Self team we've ever seen? I don't think so. So let's start there, Norlander. Mm-hmm. How much, if at all, do you believe the NCAA cloud that is still hovering over Bill Self's program has impacted KU's roster for this season? I think it has to a certain degree. Uh, I think that impact will be even more pronounced a year from now. But they're still overcoming this. I mean, look, you've got them... Seven. I've got him six. AP top 25 preseason, six. Ken Palm, five. So again, it's all relative. But I, if the point you're getting at, and I think we mentioned this on a podcast briefly last week, is that Kansas's roster at first glance doesn't pop to you. I think there's I think there's something to that and maybe it's similar in some ways to Duke um but in 
But I still think that it's it's a quality team and it's going to be fighting right there at the top of the league. I just happen to think that Baylor and West Virginia are on pretty equal footing with Kansas, give Baylor a little bit of an edge uh, overall. But yes, what it's been going through, I think it has in, impacted Bill Self and his staff's ability to recruit and, and really stock up. But I also think that Kansas is getting the benefit of the doubt, as it deserves to, by the way. This was definitively the best team in college basketball last season. We have spent many a time, and as have many people, talking about the season that could have been, the tournament that could have been for your Creightons, your Baylors, your San Diego States, and obviously your Daytons, the teams that were positioned to have really good seeds in unusual years. Kansas is expected to be there, but... You know, plenty of alternate universes where Kansas wins the NCAA tournament and maybe doesn't even get a real challenge until it gets to the final four. So because of that, coming off a 28-3 and season and the fact that it's only lost once in January, I will bring this. This just popped in my head. Do you remember last season, your prediction? I don't have a, I don't have a memory of a prediction. You predicted, you predicted Kansas would lose at Baylor. And they won at Baylor, and then they so and then they'd never lose again. They still haven't lost. <laughs> so the first part was wrong. The second part was right. They went on a 16 game win streak to finish the season there. So because of all of that, that's why Kansas is getting the benefit of the doubt. If you told me they start a little bit bumpy, but kind of hit their stride, I'd believe you. I'm not all in on Kansas being one of the 10 best teams when we start the season. I am in on Kansas being one of the 10 best teams by the time we get to mid January. I did say it's starting to come back that Kansas would lose at Baylor and then never lose again. They won at Baylor, but they never lost. You're exactly right. They closed on a 16-game winning streak. And it's funny you bring it up the way you brought it up because I have consistently, when talking about the absence of the 2020 NCAA tournament, talked about what a gut punch it is for Dayton or San Diego State or Baylor or these schools that aren't usually competing for a national championship, but for a variety of reasons had a real opportunity to win that national championship. Some of it was, if you just look at all these NBA mock drafts that are out right now, I mean, look at all of the guys who are in these mock drafts who just were not going to be in the NCAA tournament, like James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, top three picks on, in my latest mock draft. We're not going to play in the NCAA tournament. Um, Denny Avdia, obviously a international player. Tyrese Halliburton was injured on a non-NCAA tournament team. Um, like there was a Aaron Neesmith was not going to be in the NCAA tournament. Kyra Lewis was not going to be in the NCAA tournament. Cole Anthony was not going to be in the NCAA tournament. The majority of the projected lottery picks were not going to be in the NCAA tournament. So it's not like you were going to run into some monster team that's got all these pros and you can't overcome it with your very good college players. And so when I've talked about that 2020 NCAA tournament, I talk about it like, man, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity for Dayton. When is Dayton ever going to ever again going to be a one seed with the best pro prospect in, in the NCAA tournament on their roster? Probably never. Let's just be honest. Probably never. But that was Dayton's reality you know, heading into last season's NCAA tournament. So I've talked a lot about that. Here's what gets lost. Kansas was the favorite. 
Bill Self could be a two-time national champion right now if the tournament just unfolds as it was expected to unfold. His resume, he's already in the Hall of Fame, one national title, three Final Fours, 15 Big 12 regular season titles, eight Big 12 tournament titles, but he could be a two-time national champion right now if this dumb pandemic didn't ruin everything. But that's how it goes, and so now it'll be... Damn intriguing to see what Kansas can do this season because then next season I anticipate the Jayhawks to be uh, ineligible for the postseason for 2022. Personally, I don't think that. I think that's what awaits them there. Uh, but we shall we shall see. As for this season, names to know on the roster. Marcus Garrett is the first one. Uh, our top tw- uh, top 101 players list is out. I encourage you to look at it. In fact, if you're listening and you want to bring up the podcast description, there will be a link to our top 101 players piece. Feel free to scroll through it as you listen to the podcast. Marcus Garrett is the highest ranked Jayhawk on the list. He is number six, and I uh, I'm, I'm I was wondering if we would get him into the top 10 before our voting started, and I'm really glad we did because um, I feel our list does a pretty good job at putting uh, something of a premium on really good defensive players, and Garrett could be literally the best defender in college basketball for a second straight season. So he is highly ranked on the list. When you look around, though, no Dotson, as you mentioned, no Azabuki. Those were two of the six best players from an efficiency standpoint last season, according to Ken Palm. They are now gone. So who's going to be the second best guy? Probably Abaji, and he was the only other Jayhawk to to crack our list. No one else was there, and Abaji uh, was even like halfway down the list overall. So. Will Bryce Thompson be able to come in, be a big-time scorer right away? David McCormick is a big that I expect to be better, uh, and I think that his development is going to wind up meaning a lot. This doesn't look like a deep Kansas team on it on its surface there. Might not need to be. There have been plenty of Final Four-level teams from Blue Bloods in the past 10 years that have only gone effectively six or seven deep. That seems like what Kansas is going to be this season, but... If we want to step out and say what's going to be the the difference in Kansas being elite, I did I do remember mentioning this on a recent pod. To me, is it's Garrett. Can he become more of an offensive threat? Uh, how often will he be tasked with truly running the point? Uh, how often will he be on the floor, and can he sustain that? If you're the best player, defensive player in America, and you're also going to be tasked with now averaging instead of seven or eight a game, thirteen or fourteen a game. Keep an eye on that. And then Thompson, can he step in? and be an immediate guy who can give you 12 or 13 a night. Again, I just think it's going to take him a little bit of time, and so that's why, to repeat myself, I think Kansas will be good. But the Kansas we see early, I don't think it's going to be the Kansas we see in mid-January. And as a note on all this, I don't remember if we mentioned this on the pod or not. I think we might have, but Bill Self is is going right after it. They The second day of the season, it is Kansas against Gonzaga in Fort Myers for the Fort Myers tip-off. Just a tremendous game. I'm guessing Gonzaga is going to be favored in that game by like five, five, five or six points because um, Gonzaga just seems to me, to me, to be way more ready. So they'll have uh, they'll have the Zags early, and then they'll, of course they'll have Kentucky in the Champions Classic like five, six days after that. Uh, it, it, the Kimpom projections are out on that game, and it, it does have Gonzaga seventy four, Kansas seventy two as a projected score. So it would have oh. Gonzaga as a two point favorite. I didn't even realize the projections were out, and yeah, that's that's. That's lower than I thought it would be, and Vegas definitely. Uh, Ken Palm is is certainly a, a north star for some of these betting lines. I I'll say that the the line will be bigger than that. I, I feel like I feel like it's going to. By the way, Gonzaga preseason. I mean, if you want to pat yourself on the back here, GP, because uh, I'm giving you at least at least thirty two percent credit for this. Gonzaga is the AP number one, and we'll get to them next week, but just real quick. like They're the AP top 25 preseason number one team for the first time in their history, and I think you're the only 
person who had the Zags number one in the offseason. Granted, you've had that since April. Um, but yeah, the Zags are uh, are atop that poll, and so they will take on Kansas. It's a wonderful um, first test for the Zags, but it's even more so for the Jayhawks. Um, you bring up Marcus Garrett. A few weeks ago, when we did our CBS Sports All-America teams, I tweeted my own ballot you did as well because my ballot had some names on there that didn't make the actual teams uh, one of them being Jalen Crutcher from from Dayton and if I remember correctly I had multiple Kansas fans say I was crazy to not have Marcus Garrett on my first team second team or third team and while I don't think it's crazy not to have Marcus Garrett on a first team second team or third team I I, I do think it might be wrong like I I, I, I can acknowledge um, he, he probably deserved more consideration than I personally gave him. Everybody remembers Devon Dodson was Kansas's point guard last season because he was great. He's going to be in the NBA next season. You know who led the Big 12 in assist? Garrett. Marcus Garrett. You know who led the Big 12 in assist to turnover ratio? Marcus Garrett. Um, you know, there was one game where Dodson was out. It was a January game, I believe, against Oklahoma. And so Marcus Garrett is suddenly your primary ball handler. Like Bill just put the ball in his hands. He had 15 points, five rebounds, five assists, only one turnover. And after that game, Bill said, quote, there is no doubt who our point guard will be next season. And so when you combine what appears to be a a natural ability to do whatever it is you need him to do, even run your team when asked with the fact that bill has described him as the best defensive player he's ever coached. That's an all American, uh, you know, like I, I, I did not have him listed that way, but I can understand why Kansas fans might've been confused um, when I didn't, because I, I could certainly make the case for him, especially after I dove in a little deeper in prep for this podcast. Yeah, and and he's going to be the head of the snake on defense there. Kansas was the second-best defensive team uh, per possession last season. Of course, the answer at the top is Virginia, which I expect to repeat again this season. We'll get to Virginia uh, on the podcast next week. A um, couple other guys to just note on, because Garrett's defense is going to be huge, but again, I think the offense is going to... They're going to need some jumps and bumps here. Christian Braun... Only player on Kansas's roster last season who shot better than 33% from three. He took 68 attempts, made 31 of them. That's a 45.6% clip. So he's not a big name. Could emerge into a pretty important player, though. He's a sophomore there. Keep an eye on him. And then Mitch Lightfoot, now now a senior, redshirt senior. Um, him playing alongside of, uh, of McCormick... Uh, that's going to be a pretty important duo there. McCormick 6'10", Lightfoot 6'8". It's not, a, you know, West Virginia has a better front court. Baylor, I think, still has a better front court. And how Kansas kind of tries to keep pace with those two teams. I mean, I'm way in on West Virginia, too. Where do you have the Mountaineers? We're not doing a podcast on them because they're not your top 10. Where do you have them? They are in the top 15. I can give you an exact place. They're 14th in the up in the latest edition of the top 25 and one. They are 14th uh, just behind Tennessee 
and Kentucky. I'll tell you what, and, and we don't have to spend too much time on West Virginia, but just a quick off-ramp before we jump back on the highway. I, the reason why I've got a one-spot difference between the Ears and the Jayhawks, and I give the Jayhawks the edge, I frankly give the Jayhawks the edge because they are just more accustomed to being at the top of the hill. Bill Self is a great, Huggins is a great coach as well, but you talk to college coaches, they'll say Bill Self, like from a tactical standpoint, he's just, he's like, he's top five level kind of guy in the game there. So I gave him a slight edge, but I'll tell you, between Deuce McBride, Miles McBride, uh, Derek Culver, and Oscar Shibway, I just trust that trio better than any three combo, combo players you want to give me on Kansas right now. I just think that's a better, West Virginia has a better threesome than, than Kansas does right now. But when we get to the end of the season, the margins might be slim. I'm going to give the slight edge to the Jayhawks there, but the top of the Big 12 will be pretty damn entertaining, pretty damn fascinating. Those three don't have a ton of separation from, you know, again, Texas is loaded. Might Texas prove to be a top 10 level team? We shall see. Um, but make no mistake about it. We did the same thing with Duke on yesterday's podcast. Gave the Blue Devils a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. We are giving Kansas some benefit of the doubt. They can be really good. But if you tell me that both Duke and Kansas, we look up and we're 35% through the season and they're just drifting outside the top 10, it will not surprise me at all. It could just be that kind of season, not just because of COVID, but because of the roster turnover and how these rosters in particular are just a bit abnormal from what the expectation has been in Durham and Lawrence. David McCormick, you mentioned, probably the starting five, but he only played a little less than 15 minutes per game last season because Kansas really spent a lot of time playing with just one big, and that one big was Doak. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how Bill and his staff approaches this season because when you make Marcus Garrett your primary ball handler and then you put Bryce Thompson, the McDonald's All-American, right beside him, and I'm assuming – Oche Abaji right there with them. I mean, you're going six five, six five, six five. You're yeah. pretty big on the perimeter. You are. I mean, there's a scenario where, I mean, okay, so those three guys are all six five. Christian Braun six six. JUCO transfer Tyon Grant Foster, who is probably the best JUCO player in Division One basketball this season, because Jay Scrub, who was the JUCO player of the year, was supposed to go to Louisville, but instead entered the NBA draft. He's six seven. So KU can be really big on the perimeter and surround McCormick with with four perimeter-oriented guys if that's the way they choose to play, and they won't be small. It'll be called small ball, but it'll be a bunch of big guys playing small ball. I'm thinking they gave Thompson an inch. Now, maybe he's a legit 6'5 now, but um, you and I both saw him in Colorado Springs last July when we could do things like socialize and hang out in person and get on airplanes and go see so prospects. Amazing, amazing reality we were living in then. And Thompson, I'm 6'3", and I was about eye-to-eye with Thompson. Um, so maybe he's sprouted two inches sometimes occasionally. Uh, <laughs> teams do their guys a solid, give them another inch, give them another... I- look up at all of them so like whatever. I, know, I, 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 know. I i'm just i'm just looking up at all what of them. Can they're you all do? they're all bigger than me but you're right that is a that is a that is a sizable perimeter but thompson he's um he's he's got some leanness to him but he might be i would i would say thompson speaking of our top 101 the two freshmen that we didn't uh, there's three really that uh, that we didn't put on and i don't have any regrets about it but thompson joshua christopher at arizona state and then uh keon johnson at, at tennessee are the three that i think have the best chance to pop be big time impact uh players score a lot and then in retrospect make us say all right we missed there thompson they just might need him uh for 15 a night we'll see again i want to see how garrett really slides in this role as lead guard as point guard there and, and how thompson is able to thrive off of him because he will be tasked to do plenty and that's not normally 
you know, I'll end with this and then you can close out however you want. But it's not like Self has never relied on freshmen, but he he is not the kind of coach that says, I'm going to bring in an absolute stud and, and totally rely on him 100%. I remember when you went out to Lawrence and you did a story on Wiggins when he was going in, and that was a ton of pressure on him. And then if you really followed what Kansas did that season, yes, Wiggins was a star unto himself because he came in with just um, just so much hype there. But it was not his team, and it was, never was. And, and I wouldn't expect that Thompson is going to be tasked with doing uh, taking on more than he should, but he is a really good shooter, a really good scorer, and he could just find himself suddenly growing into a spot where he needs to provide the team with 13 to 15 points a night. I'm interested to see if he's up to the challenge. Um, I, I've told the story a million times, but like I went out there because Andrew Wiggins was going to be our CBS Sports preseason national player of the year because he was the number one player in the class, and uh, you know he was talked about as this sure thing for the NBA. I mean, he was the number one pick in the draft, uh, but I, I'll never forget. We were in a side gym and I'm sitting with Bill and Curtis Townsend, the whole staff. And Bill says, so you, you guys are naming wigs, the number, the, the, the preseason national player of the year. And I said, yeah. And he goes, that's going to be the best player I've ever coached. And I said, who? And he <laughs> pointed to Joel and Yeah. I said, really? Because you have to go back and look. Joel Embiid wasn't like some consensus no. top five prospect. He just wasn't. And I said, what? He said, Joe, <laughs> that one right there is going to be the best player I've ever coached. I said, seems like something you should have told me. Like, before like, la, Bill. He <laughs> <laughs> could have told me before I came out here to do a wig story. And um, obviously, Joel has had some injury stuff, but he's undeniably the more talented of the two, the more accomplished of the two. And you could reasonably argue he's the best player that Bill Self um, has ever coached. Do I expect Bryce Thompson to be that level guy? No, but I do think he can be a very good, impactful freshman. And just to circle this back to where we were at the beginning, when I asked you if you thought the NCAA cloud hovering over the program impacted this KU roster in a negative way, you acknowledge that you think it does and it could get worse before it gets better. I agree with you, by the way. Some might hear us talking about Bryce Thompson and go, well, they got a McDonald's All-American five-star Bryce Thompson. What are you talking about? He had, Bill coached his father at Tulsa. Bryce Thompson's grandfather played basketball at Kansas. My point is they had so many tight connections, strong relationships there that you could almost get Bryce Thompson to go to Kansas in spite of the cloud that was hovering over the program. I think even Bill would tell you it, it is more difficult right now and has been for a little while um, when you don't have those type of strong family connections, when you haven't known somebody, you know, since he was a three-year-old, which is like basically Bill's relationship with Bryce Thompson. Uh, agreed. And I remember when he selected Kansas, there was definitely some side-eyeing and, and at the time, like, is Kansas even going to be eligible for the 2021 NCAA tournament? Now we know that is definitely going to be the case there, and uh, and it's going to work out well for Thompson. But, yeah, keep an eye on him. I would put him on, you know, a top 20, 25 list of, of, of potential must-see players in college basketball. T to me, he will be the guy on Kansas when you watch them that you're going to want to see there. And uh, and so we, I can't I can't wait. Gonzaga, Kansas, that's, that's tremendous. Um, we will have that, and we will have, if the games fall correctly, Baylor against Villanova, two versus three. Um, either that night or the night after that. So college basketball, if it can get to the start of its season, we've got freaking outbreaks 
everywhere right now, not only in every state, but like college football is trying to dodge having freaking 17 games canceled this weekend. Um, if basketball can get to that point, it's really setting itself up quite nicely with some seriously high profile, top five level, top 10 level matchups in the first three nights of the season. In the first two weeks of the season, we should get, fingers crossed, Kansas Gonzaga, Kansas Kentucky, and Kansas Creighton. That is three games between top 15 teams all involving the Jayhawks. Now we just got to get this virus under control and keep everybody healthy. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. And thank you guys once again to listen to the Ion College Basketball Podcast right in the middle of the dumbest pandemic I've ever experienced in my entire 43 years on this earth. I hope we never have to go through this again. I know you're with me. If you haven't subscribed to the Ion College Basketball Podcast yet, please, please go do that. Rate it. Leave a nice comment. And we will talk to you again real soon. And by real soon, I mean on Friday when we focus on Bill Self's old school, number six, Illinois.